Have you ever had an epiphany? You know, one of those aha, eureka moments, that sudden revelation. Now, it's often associated, by the way, in scientific revolutions, that epiphany that scientists might have, but we've all had epiphanies. For example, you might have been eight years old, and uh, some friends challenged you to go down one of the steeper hills in the neighborhood on your bicycle and hit that bike ramp and hit the bike jump, and in midair, you might have had an epiphany that this was not a good idea. I don't know, I might have had an epiphany like that. Or when you're shutting, you lock the car door, you shut it, and in the midstream of shutting it, you realize your keys are in the door. An epiphany. So we all have epiphanies, but as we get older, uh, they generally become more meaningful. I mean, especially if you've been a parent, right? There's an epiphany of like, Oh, this is what it means to be a mom, or this is what it means to be a dad. And in the spiritual realm, to understand what grace is, not only to give it, but to receive it. And yet, the greatest epiphany that anyone can actually ever have is to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen. That is the epiphany for all of us. So today, Epiphany Sunday, it is a revealing of Jesus to the world. And not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Now in the church calendar year, there's three readings that often get used for Epiphany Sunday. One is the baptism of Jesus. The other is his first miracle of changing water into wine at the wedding in Cana. But the third one, which is often used, is for the wise men or the magi, hence the wise men or the magi that we have. Now, we all know this story pretty well. We've heard it. And we love singing the song, right? We three kings. And don't you just want to lean into the transition? You know, like when you're alone, you really just lean into it hard. Right? Like Charlie Brown, we all lift our voices up. But the thing is, because we know it so well, and we know that song, sometimes we gloss over what actually happened that day. The miraculous event of Jesus being revealed to the Gentiles, to the wise men. See, on that day, what was revealed was the, what was revealed was the king, the Christ, the shepherd, who was to be worshipped. So that's what we're going to see this morning. The revealing of the king, the Christ, and the shepherd. Before we do that, let's have a moment of prayer. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, this morning we pray for an ever greater revealing of who Jesus is through your word. We pray for our working of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes of our hearts, our minds, our souls, our entire being, so that we too will worship him in ever greater praise. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
So, let us start with the king. We go to our text, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So, much has been said about these wise men. So, it's first of all, it's said that they were kings. It's also been that their names were Melchior, Balthazar, and Caspar, or sometimes Gasper. There's a belief that one came from India, one came from Egypt, and one came from Greece. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that has been added to the story along the way. The fact of the matter, we know very little about these wise men. So let's dispel some of the myths. First of all, they were magis. They weren't kings. So magi. What's a magi? So a magi is generally a group of scholars who study the stars. So they would have been, more than anything, astrologers. So we don't know how many there were. I mean, we make the leap that there were three, right? There were three. And why do we say three? Frankincense, gold, and myrrh, right? According to Gary Larson, the far side cartoonist, there was a fourth wise man who's never been included because he brought fruitcake. Okay, so there you go. So, we don't know how many there were. It just says wise men. And we don't know their nationality. What we do know more than anything is that they were Gentiles. They were not Jews. But they had studied the Scripture so that they knew that there was born the King of the Jews. It says this, And saying, Who is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And that phrase right there, those, that verse, really encapsulates the main message of this entire account. It is this. They knew that he was born king of the Jews and they came to worship him. That is the main focus of this account. So, how did they know, right? How did they know that he was king of the Jews? Well, God had prepared them. He would prepared their minds through the word. Through his word. Now, we don't know what scripture they actually studied to know that this was the king who was born. It could have, they could have read a number of different accounts. I mean, we've, we've talked about this throughout. They could have uh, read 2 Samuel chapter 7, or they could have read Daniel chapter 7. So it could have been a number of different accounts throughout scripture that points to be to Jesus being a king. By the way, you should note in the language, it says this, born king of the Jews. It does not say who will become king of the Jews. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus wouldn't become king of the Jews. He was already king of the Jews before he was born. 
And there's another interesting, really, bookend to all of this. So at the beginning of his life, right? At the beginning of his life, it was Gentiles who said he is the king of the Jews. And then at the end of his life, there was another Gentile, Pontius Pilate, who declared that he was king of the Jews. And on the cross, he wrote in three different languages, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Jesus has always, always been king. So God prepared their minds through his word. He also prepared their spirits by giving them a sign, a miraculous star for the birth of the king. Now, just like the wise men, there's been a lot of speculation on this star, right? Was it a supernova? Was it a comet? Was it an alignment of planets? Don't know. But when people try to figure out all of these things, they start to lose the actual meaning of it. You see, God does give signs and wonders to point to His glory. So He gave a star, a sign, to point to Jesus, who is the King, the light of the world. So they came because they knew he was the king of the Jews. He was also, and is, the Christ. Going to our text here, verse 3 and 4. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired them whether Christ was to be born. So Herod, also known as Herod the Great, he was a, a Jew, Jewish Arab who the Romans had appointed ruler over Judea. Now, so by all accounts, he was a wicked man. He was stern. One person wrote that he was capable, crafty, and cruel. So he was capable. He achieved a lot in the first part of his reign. For the last decade of his reign, there was a lot of political unrest and upheaval. So he was on edge because there was a constant threat from without and within that he would be toppled, so to speak, that he would be overthrown. So when he heard that there was a king of the Jews, this was not good news for him. Not at all. In fact, Well, he was troubled, and it says all of Jerusalem was troubled. But have you ever heard the phrase, if mama ain't happy, nobody ain't happy? You ever hear that one? If Herod ain't happy, nobody ain't happy. So that's why all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Because he was capable, crafty, and cruel. In fact, he was so jealous that he had the wise men come and he learned from them when they think the, the, this child might have been born. And then he went to Bethlehem after they had left and killed all of the male children two years or younger. Why two years or younger? Because this was what he, they thought, the wise men thought, when this child might have been born. 
So I know in the Christmas scene, we always have the wise men right there at the manger, but they would have come at least months, up to two years later. So this was Herod, and he was cruel and wicked. But I, I want to back up a moment. Let's back up a moment. It says, And all of the chief priests and scribes and the people, he, Herod, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So, listen, Herod actually acknowledges that the Christ was to be born. Or even if we give Herod the benefit of the doubt, which I don't think we should, but he, he might say, well, this might be the Christ. What does Christ mean, by the way? That's simply the Greek word for Messiah. So, the Messiah who was to be born. And we've covered this in all of Advent, even last week, in our readings from Isaiah, Zephaniah. They are called Messianic prophecies. They point to the Messiah, the Christ. It's all there plainly in Scripture. So I'm just going to review some of the things we covered. Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Do you remember that one? We also covered this from Isaiah chapter 40. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah chapter 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has appointed me, anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The reason we spent so much time in Isaiah is because these are messianic prophecies that point to Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. And this is the declaration that Peter said. When Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this all points to the Christ, the Messiah, foretold in all of the Old Testament. Now, if you were there with Herod, with the wise men, and you heard this is going to be the Christ, you would be excited. But Herod was not, was he? He was not excited at all. In fact, he plotted to do evil even when he was told this is the Christ. And so there's a lesson from Herod. We must never forget the callousness of pride and sin which covers the heart. You see, apart from Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the natural state of mankind. To fight against Jesus to want to do him, him harm. 
and certainly to want to do his followers harm as well. See, the revelation, the epiphany that Herod rejected was that this is the Christ and the King. And he didn't want anybody to have authority over him. And quite frankly, this is the issue for most people who don't know Jesus. They don't want him to have authority over themselves. But see, as you come to faith, you realize that you are not your own, that you were bought with a price. So we have the king, we have the Christ, we have the shepherd. Verse 5 and 6, They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the chief priests and the scribes, they were, uh, they were referencing the prophet Micah. So from Micah chapter 5, there's verse 2 and 4. You've got verse 4 on the screen. I'm going to read verse 2 also. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah from you, shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This is the prophecy that was given 700 years before the birth of Jesus. It anticipated the shepherd who would come and rule over his flock. You know, I don't know whether the wise men had read it or not, but certainly the chief, chief priests and scribes would know this, that he would come from the line of David. David was known as the shepherd king. And David, what was David's hometown, by the way? Do you remember? Bethlehem. So from Bethlehem came the shepherd king, and now from Bethlehem comes the shepherd king for the world. I mean, even Jesus, Jesus himself said, I am the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. So we see this throughout Scripture. Look, if you really want to be wise, like the wise men, search the word, and you will see the king you will see you will see the king you will see the christ and you will see the shepherd and when you see the king when you see the christ when you see the shepherd do you know what you will do worship you will worship him so verse 9 through 11 after listening to the king they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So there's a saying, you can't see the forest from the trees. You're familiar with that one? It means that you look so much at the detail of individual trees, you don't get the big picture. We've used this analogy multiple times in Revelation, and we will continue to do so because it's so easy to get lost in all the specific detail and try to figure out everything, little thing where you miss the big picture. Same thing with this account. So we're coming right back where we started in the beginning. The focus of the account, the focus of epiphany, of, rege- of Jesus being revealed, is one of worship. One of worship. That's the whole focal point here. You see, the natural reaction of coming into the presence of God is worship. It says this, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. You know, this wasn't a polite little nod. You know how guys can get, we just like nod at each other. There's a child. No, this was not that at all. They were overcome. And it says they fell down and worshipped him. That is the natural reaction coming to the presence of Jesus. That's why the song so beautifully sung on Christmas Eve, A Holy Night, moves us so deeply. It says, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices, O night divine. O night when Christ was born, O night divine. O night, O night divine. When you come into His glory, you fall on your knees. That divine moment. You see, this is what has and is and will continue to happen in heaven. Read Revelation chapter 5, and it is about the Lamb of God on the, thr- on the throne. So around the throne of God, there rises a heavenly chorus of multitudes, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb to be slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That is the worship of God. That is the worship of Christ the King, the Lamb of God, the Shepherd. And so they came into His presence And they fell and they worshipped Him and they gave Him presence. They gave Him presence worthy of Him who is above all things. They gave Him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now it's really interesting. 
Gold, frankincense, and myrrh is found throughout Scripture. It is found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament. It's found in heaven. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, for the tabernacle, the tent where there was the holy place and the holy of holies, many things were overlaid in gold. And this is actually a reflection of what heaven would look like, a foretelling, so to speak, a foretaste of what we find in heaven. Revelation 21, verse 18, and then 21, 21. The wall, of, the wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. And the twelve gates with twelve pearls, each of the gates made a single pearl, and the streets of gold were and the streets of the city were pure gold like transparent glass. So there's gold, but they also offered frankincense and myrrh. I don't know if you know this, frankincense and myrrh, they're both an aromatic resin, sap from trees, if you will. But God, in the Old Testament, gave very specific directions, especially how to use frankincense for the making of incense. So frankincense and myrrh could both be used for incense. And incense plays a very important role in the Old Testament, in the New, and even in heaven. Incense is associated with the holiness of God. Incense is associated with the prayers of the saints being lifted up. It's also for the forgiveness of sin. And myrrh, by the way, is even associated with death because it was used to anoint the bodies after they had died. So you see these men, these Gentiles who come and worship Jesus. You could say this, gold for the child being the king, frankincense for him being God, and myrrh for the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. This is the story truly of the wise men, the magi. So, for you, how do you take this in? What do you do with this? Pray this day for an ever ever greater revealing of who Jesus is. And you don't have to have signs and wonders for that. How did the wise men find out about who was the king? It was through the word, wasn't it? If you immerse yourself in the word, he will reveal himself evermore. And you will see grace upon grace, mercy, forgiveness, a steadfast love that endures for generation upon generation. You will come face to face with Christ the King and the Shepherd. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray for everyone here, everyone who hears this message, all of our brothers and sisters, and especially for those who do not know Jesus. 
that through your word, Jesus is revealed evermore so that we are filled with his love, his grace, his mercy, his majesty, his holiness, his righteousness, and live a life evermore unto him. This is my heartfelt prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.